if there's something that intrigues me or pulls me in one direction, I go after it. But I think a lot of times and a lot of people stay in this phase of being comfortable and stay keeping it safe, where I am so not afraid to change my mind on something. It does. It serves me nothing to like if I told all my friends, hey, I'm going to start this business. And then two weeks later, I decide, hey, that's not for me. I don't feel any remorse or or embarrassment by telling my friends these things and then changing your mind. I feel like people oftentimes are afraid to change their mind because of the perception of other people. And for me, that was never the case. It never will be the case. I think everyone, especially in your 20s, should be trying a million different things and saying no to a million different things to figure out what you don't like, because figuring out what you don't like is a lot easier than figuring out what you like. So get your hands dirty, in my opinion, and don't be afraid to change your mind and or the perception of others, because that's how I've always went. Intuition, if it feels right, go after it. And when it doesn't, move to the next thing. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Thank you for listening and thank you for recommending us to your friends. We've got Hannah Perez on today from Seek Supply, who started a business a year ago and has launched into millions of dollars of revenue with her partner, Ben. She's going to talk about her path to entrepreneurship. She's going to suggest that you change your mind a lot if you're in your 20s and not worrying about what other people think. She's going to talk about excellence being 1% better every day. Welcome to the show and welcome. To the edge of excellence. Well, Hannah Perez, thank you so much for making time out of your busy schedule of running companies and doing marketing and being awesome to come on the show today and share your insights. Heck yeah, I'm super stoked to be here. Wow, I like that. Heck yeah. Start off with some energy. Perfect. Well, we're going to get into Seek and we're going to get into how you started a business because people that are listening to the show want to know how to start a business. We're going to get into marketing and how to be a marketing executive and get into the marketing world. But before we do, we got to start the way we always start. Hannah Perez, what is your definition of excellence? My definition has always been being 1% better than I was yesterday, not to compare myself too far in this journey of life, but compare short term as to who was I yesterday and how can I be better than that person? And is that in every aspect of life or just work? Every aspect of life altogether. So I've heard that definition before. Where did you get it from? I'm I'm assuming it's just a common definition. I feel like that's just one where you don't judge yourself too far, or too harshly in the course of just your whole life journey. So that one, I think it's just floating around there. And I I just really, really resonate with that. So it's not too harsh. You can have days that you're not 1% make up for later. It's not too much. You have to be the absolute best at health supplements in the entire world. And you're not excellent until you get there. It gives you some ability to be patient as you move through your journey, right? As you move across the edge of excellence. 
Exactly. Yeah. Success is not linear. So that is, I think the biggest thing that I can take with that being 1% better is it doesn't mean necessarily 1% in every aspect, but it can be in those waves and it doesn't need to look like a perfect line graph. Okay, perfect. I like that. I actually have heard that before. That might be one of my favorites. Everybody else has these different ways of putting it together, but that's a pretty easy one to measure. And if you're listening right now and you're on 1.5 speed in your car and you you're hearing these people that are maybe 10 years older than you that have done crazy things and you think I'm not excellent compared to them. Well, what about yesterday? Are you 1% better yesterday? And if you do that every day for a year, how many percent better are you going to be? Because it compounds, right? So it's not 365% better. It compounds. And if I was a math major, I'd be able to spit it out exactly right now, but I'm not. Um, thanks to one class I took in college. Can't change my major. Well, let's get into um, who you are and what you do. So you uh, were in high school in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. What was life like? What were you doing? Did you know to get ahead? What were your goals? I was uh, definitely more of an athlete in high school. So athletics was my jam. Soccer being my number one sport, but I was also in basketball, softball, did some golf, being very involved in athletics and working with a team, which for me, I think is one of the best things that allowed me to grow character skills like team teamwork. Discipline was a big one for me, especially just trying to make varsity in high school and crush it in state and show up for a team and work together. Um, so I think those build some really, really good characteristics as far as who I am today based off of everything that I did in high school. Um, but athletics was my jam for the most part. And uh, my parents didn't mess around when it came to getting good grades. It was A's or B's or, you know, you're having a talk, a discussion about something. So I've always been very disciplined to do my work and to do it really well um, and to show up when I say I'm going to show up being very accountable. Okay. And then when you went to college at Mankato in Minnesota, did you play soccer there? Am I remembering that right? No, I did intramurals, but my main focus when I went to college was to find my path and to not have distractions that I know wouldn't serve me moving after college. I wasn't going to become a pro athlete by any means. So I really just wanted to get my head down and figure out what my life was going to look like. I didn't know anyone that went to Mankato from my high school. So it was really redefining my entire life and figuring out what I wanted to do, which I think putting yourself in that type of situation of change where you don't know people, it allows you to just really soak in everything when it comes to how you perceive life and where you want to head. Um, so it just really gave me the flexibility to figure out what I wanted to do. And to be honest, entrepreneurship was something that I definitely, it teetered in my head just because of like the Shark Tank stories that I would watch in high school. But I actually started college going into uh, elementary education was my major. And um, I had a few conversations with my peers that became really close friends with, and I wouldn't stop talking about business. I, I started these little side hustles in high school and stuff. And I had one of my friends just really say it to me straight and why are you going to school for elementary education when you don't shut up about business and entrepreneurship? And I like never had someone tell me like as just the truth like that. I'm like, wow, okay. That really makes me take a step back. And I think that next week I went in and changed my major to a uh, business major. Okay. So find your path and you had this friend say it to you straight. So you come in um, to college and you have a path. You already found your path, but you leave college with a different path. So when you look back to your 
multiple times finding a path. Oh, and by the way, you leave college to go work as a marketing manager in a company. And then, you know, Ben Zaver walks into the office with a little problem and you find another path. So do you have a process for vetting your paths or discovering your path? I think it all comes down for me for intuition. If there's something that intrigues me or pulls me in one direction, I go after it. But I think a lot of times and a lot of people stay in this phase of being comfortable and stay keeping it safe, where I am so not afraid to change my mind on something. It does. It serves me nothing to like if I told all my friends, hey, I'm going to start this business. And then two weeks later, I decide, hey, that's not for me. I don't feel any remorse or or embarrassment by telling my friends these things and then changing your mind. I think there's a, I feel like people oftentimes are afraid to change their mind because of the perception of other people. And for me, that was never the case. It never will be the case. I think everyone, especially in your twenties should be trying a million different things and saying no to a million different things to figure out what you don't like, because figuring out what you don't like is a lot easier than figuring out what you like. So get your hands dirty, in my opinion, and don't be afraid to change your mind and or the perception of others, because that's how I've always went. Intuition, if it feels right, go after it. And when it doesn't, move to the next thing. So to be able to trust your gut, you have to have done things to know what you like and what you don't like. So you're in high school and you're playing sports. Were there other, I mean, how did you know that you might like education? How did you know you might like entrepreneurship? What were you doing to build this intuition and be able to trust your gut? You can't just step into your first job you've ever had at 23 years old because you didn't work in high school and didn't work in college and you haven't done any internships and and have any gut to trust. So it takes steps. Some people start early. If you're listening right now and you didn't do anything in high school or college, you're going to be behind Hannah. Doesn't mean it's too late to start, but what what sort of things were you doing in high school and at Mankato? Well, well, before we get to Mankato, high school and your first two years of college to kind of develop that intuition. I Like I said, in high school, for me, I was mainly just sports and getting good grades. Outside of that, I didn't, when people would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to go to school for? I didn't really know. I didn't have an answer. And I was kind of okay with that. But I also knew the safe route was going into L-Ed because my sister's a teacher. My cousins are teachers. My aunt's a teacher. There's just a lot of teachers in my family. And it just felt like the path for me even though teaching can be done in different ways outside of being an actual student teacher. Because I love talking about entrepreneurship and helping people in their business. And that's just a different perception and how my mind has changed in that aspect. But in high school, it was mainly just nose down in the dirt, social life, soccer, and school. But I knew going into college was... One, I'm going to be by myself. I want to be putting myself in all these different groups, trying a bunch of different things. So I signed up for, at the time, Teachers of Tomorrow, which is an on-campus group for teachers, um, where you just talk with people that are wanting to go outside of just going to school. I also joined Leadership Club because I knew I had these leadership skills fostered in me and I wanted to exploit them. So I wanted to meet like-minded individuals in college right off the get-go and figure out how... I can be a leader in today's society. So I joined Leadership Club. I joined Entrepreneurship Club eventually down the line, but there's so many different clubs and opportunities on campus to meet like-minded students. And I think meeting like-minded students allows you to figure out who you are based off of the people that you are surrounding yourself with. 
Okay, so back to what you said just now. You tried many things. You experimented. And and I wanted to be a teacher too, by the way. I just had to invent a different way to teach, exactly. which is in my business. Sounds like what you did too. So you try many things, you experiment. It's okay to change directions. You got to worry about yourself first and not perceptions. The perception of my friends were, what a loser, you're working too hard. And that quickly changed to, I'm a loser. I didn't work hard enough when they graduated from college and didn't have the jobs they thought they were going to get. So quit worrying about those friends. Worry about yourself if you're listening right now. And I love what you said. Figuring out what you don't like is easier than figuring out what you like. And you're never going to figure out what you don't like if you don't try a bunch of things. How do you make ends meet with perseverance? Sometimes like I don't like reading accounting reports, but I got to do it because I'm a business person. I don't like having to leave home when I have kids and come work, but I got to do it because I can't just stay and hang out with my kids all day. So how do you persevere uh, while vetting what you like and don't like and not give up too early on something that might be what you're going to be excellent at? That's a great question. I think when it comes to persevering through an idea or a business or things that you don't necessarily want to do, one. I think you have to remind yourself of the end goal and what your what your purpose is and what your why is, because that should fuel the fire every single day to wake you up and to make sure you're getting done with whatever you don't necessarily want to do and get it done because you understand the why and that that should fuel your fire. Outside of that, I think it's really important to have like-minded individuals surrounding you. The per- The people that you surround yourself with are so important to how you show up in your everyday life and who you want to be. And I want to be around people that motivate the crap out of me and inspire me themselves. So that's going to make me want to do even more things that I don't necessarily want to do so I can move five steps ahead. So I would say those things. But then also, I think taking care of yourself is a big thing that I feel like entrepreneurs and just a lot of people in general in this hustle culture that we live in, we don't think about ourselves and taking care of ourselves. So I take weekly baths and I am sitting there for 30 minutes and it's just like meditation, Um, whatever that type of self-care looks like for you. It's, I think, very important to implement that into your daily life too. So that way you're showing up every day at a hundred percent, not 60%, not 70%, but it's always showing up on top because if you're not, if you're not doing well, your business isn't going to do well. Your actions aren't going to do as well. So you need to make sure you're doing well first to persevere through all the things you don't necessarily want to do. Okay. So when you're trying different things that you may or may not like at the time, and you're doing different tasks that you may or may not like at the time, first, you got to focus on why you're doing them because the why will get you through the tough times. Second thing, you're checking in with your advisors, but you got to make sure your advisors aren't losers. You know, my, my advisors, that were living around me were telling me to not work and to come drinking and they can't believe I'm not going on this trip or this party. Those were the wrong advisors. My current advisors will check in with me to make sure I'm trying harder, pushing harder, more committed. And then first, I'll say it last, but first, taking care of yourself. And I'll add for you what my brother told me. My brother was CMO of huge companies, huge companies, chief of staff of Microsoft. I think he was CMO of Salesforce, maybe, but big time executive CMO guy. Uh, his his line was, I always commit to at least a year and or, or some sort of time period. So if I'm going to try training for a marathon, I don't want to train for a marathon, so I would never try that. But if I was going to try for, uh, I don't know, 24-hour mountain bike race, I would commit for a certain period of time 
I would think about the why. And in my case, it would probably be maintaining weight loss and health. I would check in with my advisors and I would, you know, if this physical thing, I'd be constantly taking care of myself. If it was starting a new business, I would check in with my my gut first, see if it was the right business, check in with my why, why am I doing it? Because if I'm chasing a dollar, it never works. I'd be chasing an impact, checking with my advisors that I respect, and then taking care of myself so I could continue to, to, to crush it. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't show up to work every day. And it's interesting that you are so focused on taking care of yourself because you're in the take care of yourself business. And well, real quick, we'll finish up with college. So you're in college, you're in Mankato. You found this weird, stupid painting thing. You did the stupid painting thing. You uh, produced over a hundred grand. I think you were just here for one, you were at College Works for just one year, right? Yeah, I just was there for intern year. And then I decided instead of doing um, a DM position, I had the opportunity at school to join the integrated business experience, which is basically taking a group of uh, 30 students, you take your three core business classes and you get a loan from a bank, you develop a business idea, you get real products, you sell real products, you pay back the loan. Um, so it was another business opportunity for me that I thought I couldn't pass up on. So that was my teetering between the two. But College Works built the foundation for a lot of things when it comes to how I perform as a businesswoman. And so College Works is great if you're in the Midwest. If you're not in the Midwest, there's other opportunities to push yourself hard. So we'll get one. It doesn't have to Gear it towards not college works people because not everybody can do it. What should they be looking for in an internship if they want to come out of college at full pace? Look for an internship that's going to challenge you and allow you to wear a bunch of hats. I think working at a startup is a great opportunity for a lot of new college students or people still in college because you are forced to learn very quickly and you're forced to wear a lot of hats. And you also get to have an impact on the ideas that you get to implement in those companies because it is such a small startup culture. So if you can find an internship in a startup, that's where I would say to start. Okay. So um, you do the College Works thing, which was an internship in a startup. It was your startup. You come out and you roll right into another startup. And what was the company you all made for this kind of co-op class that you had? Uh, it was called Minnesota Comforts. And we sold handmade wooden coasters. So I got a taste of the manufacturing business in my college apartment with my three roommates and 25 students in there. Uh, that was very interesting. And then we also sold these coffee tumblers. Yeah, I got a loan from a bank for about three grand and then partnered up with a nonprofit in the community to donate all the profits to after we paid back the loan. And that, that was over the course of like three months. And I think we generated just shy of 10 grand in revenue just wow. for that class. Wow, that's cool. Mm -hmm. and did some of the businesses not pay back their loans? No business in the history of the IBE has ever not paid back the loan. We've always paid back the loan. We partner with United Prairie Bank. They might just be a Midwest bank, but um, yeah, real loans never been paid back or always been paid back. Yeah. yeah, really, really neat experience and program at MSU. Yeah, and if you're if you haven't got to college, I know most of our audience is already past college, but if you haven't gotten yet, there's quite a few colleges that have these cool co-op programs. And maybe that's something you look for in your college. I know Northeastern has it. I know Babson has it, just the ones I've looked at with my kids. I think uh DePaul might have it, but there are great co-op opportunities. And if you're at a school that values that, uh, you might be able to more easily find those experiences. If you're already in college, you can look around at other campuses for these type of really cool experiences. So you had this experience in college, working at College Works, starting a business, hiring people, firing people, doing sales, 
managing costs. You have that experience again in this program. And then you get out of school and you go straight into a marketing position as marketing manager at Social Butterfly. Why did you do that? And just instead of just starting a business right then and there? So for me, I was already in the fitness space. Fitness was really big for me. So I started my own little fitness Instagram uh, social media presence. So my goal with that was I want to make my lifestyle my income and sell workouts, sell uh, meal plans. So I'm thinking in my head, okay, what's the first starting point? I already am doing this organically posting content. I would want to start ads. So I want to learn how to run ads. And I'm going to learn how to run ads by working at a marketing agency. So I went after a startup marketing agency and got the job right away. I was working there in college as well. So post post CWP internship, I was working there full time pretty much from that start point and continued until I graduated in the winter of 2019 and um, continued with that position as ads manager. And then I eventually switched over to being more of the client facing role and did account management. So I got to learn both ads, the back end of Facebook and Instagram, which was really important for me to apply to business, as well as the front end and what clients are looking for and all of that stuff. So I really got to wear a ton of hats and learn everything social media marketing wise, which was really important for me because that was the building block in my head on how I'm going to make a successful business. So really, it was kind of a conscious attempt to find your path. You're going to try this company. You're going to try all these different roles. Actually, a conscious attempt to find your path and a conscious attempt to be 1% better. Maybe it was 1% better at ads and ad creation and ad placement and ad buying. Maybe it was 1% better at dealing with clients in a different genre, but it's a conscious attempt to build your resume and build your skill set. And had you already realized that you wanted to start a company and this was your path towards starting a company? Oh yeah. So even so after after I did that integrated business experience with the at school, I already knew I wanted to start a business and I was actually working and did a pitch competition that was at the business school. It's called the Big Ideas Challenge and me and my best friend uh, did our first pitch for a vegan burger, which we were wanted to start a um, healthy fast food chain. So we got to do the pitch competition, work with advisors in the in the community and stuff. So at this point, I already know my ideas are running after college works. I'm I'm like for sure I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And also to piggyback off of what you mentioned there, I think the biggest thing too for me was learning on someone else's dime and not starting my business with debt but being able to learn on someone else's dime and be able to do it really, really well. And then being able to apply everything that I learned and all the mistakes that I made into something that is mine. And so I think that was a big thing too, as to why I wanted to work at the marketing agency. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. 
To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com slash podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com slash podcast. Now, back to the show. You have your discipline, your team working skills, your drive that you took out of high school from soccer, basketball, golf, all these sports you played. You're going into college, starting to think about 1% better. You're trying different things out, trying some weird things out because you're starting to form this vision, trying to find your path. You're checking in with your advisors. You're focusing on your why. You're taking care of yourself and you come out of these experiences. And by the way, if you're listening, you don't figure out what you want to do without trying a variety of experiences. You already said it. First, try many things. Experiment is what Hannah said. So she tried many things. She experimented. And then it becomes clear. So for you, it came early. You're out of college. You're working in the social butterfly business and you're trying different things. You're moving around and then the company shuts down. Right. And you're already on your path. So the difference between success and failure is often luck. Are you prepared when the opportunity knocks? Now, Social Butterfly was your first job. If you'd never done the college works thing and hired and fired and managed and sold, if you hadn't started that business as part of that cooperative in college, maybe that wouldn't have been the right time because you weren't prepared when opportunity knocks. There's other people working at Social Butterfly. Mm -hmm. The opportunity is there for them too. The business shuts down, you recreate and rebrand as Awake Social, a marketing company. What gave you the confidence to do that? How did you even get that done? I'm assuming you kept some of the people, you kept some of the systems, you kept some of the methods. How do you, we know how you, how you know that the opportunity is right, but how do you take advantage of the opportunity and not get into a fight with the, the old company or the old owners? Yeah, so we were a group of five and everyone had their select role. Um, I was the only one in the company really hands-on with every client. So every client was working with me directly, my face, my everything that I would deliver was me. And at this point, everyone else kind of already knew the direction that they were headed. We had a few months time where we knew like, hey, we're going to be shutting down by the end of the year. So we have a few months to figure it out. And the plan was we were just going to shut it down and the clients, we were going to let them know, hey, we're shutting down, going separate ways. At this point, for me, my mind's going in eight different directions. Like, do I go and do marketing at one company that I'm really, really passionate about until I feel confident that I have this big idea that I can do entrepreneurship? And then I really got to thinking and sitting with myself and saying, you're the only one working with these clients. You are doing everything that they would want to continue to do anyway right now. So you wouldn't have to really learn anything new. You've been wanting to do entrepreneurship for a really long time. And like, this is a zero risk to you because you are making money from the get-go. So you'll probably make more money than what you're making right now on salary at the startup. So all of these things are going through my head. And then I talked to the owner about it. He was definitely about me taking over the clients. Obviously, it leaves a better foot on the client's note too for him. So we worked out an arrangement where I paid him for referral fees for a little bit. 
until then it was mine and it was my thing. And I ended up just doing it for myself for the first about three months. And then I had someone reach out to me on LinkedIn asking for experience and wanted an internship. So I brought on my first employee and she was with me throughout the whole year of me working with Awake Social. Um, And at this point, I grew my client list to outside of the clients at Social Butterfly. I had full confidence that I was going to be able to deliver everything. And it definitely was very, very nice that I could take the systems that we had in place to implement into my business, like the contracts and just the operating system that we use. We use monday.com and we follow the EOS model. Um, So understanding all of these things as to how to run a successful and organized business with a plan um, allowed me to really see that one, you can totally do this. You have full confidence. And two, financially, there's no risk to you at all. Um, So those were the two things I needed to know that checked it off. And I said, yep, go for it. How is there no risk? You, You might not make any money. So there's a risk of not having an income and you didn't have any borrowed money or anything that you had to pay back. How is there no financial risk? No financial risk in the sense of I could put them on contracts right right away. So they were already committed to a certain amount of months. They sign off on that. I was protected in the legal contract no matter what. So I was getting what if I delivered my deliverables, I'd be getting a paycheck from each of these clients every month. So with that said, more predictable financial risk, we can say predictable financial risk. Yes. Okay. 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 So you're prepared when opportunity knocks. So we'll start with that. You had a bunch of experiences. So you had this confident, you could analyze the deal. So shout out for being prepared. And then two, I just want to flag, you didn't just do it. You went and talked, you showed the respect to the other person, the person that owned the company and you negotiated with them. Turns out it's a win-win. That person may have had liability if they just shut down. That person may have had some bills to pay that you you could take over because you're continuing with the business. So you rebrand as Awake Social and then some intern that worked for you in the past shows up and basically asks for some help, which again, shout out to relationships. You're treating people with respect. You're paying attention to the wake you leave behind. You're remembering that you never know what happens. But someone that used to be an intern for the marketing business comes in with the crazy idea to create a supplement business. And you start just basically trying to help old Ben Zaver with his brilliant idea. Did he have his two flavors at the time? At this time, no. So he actually stopped in, I believe during the month that Social Butterfly was shutting down, he stopped into our old office and dropped off these samples. So another thing that was like in my head was, okay, I have this idea too that I could go on, but that one hadn't been started yet. So at that point, I knew I wanted to help him out, but he did not have, I don't think the finalized two products that we ended up launching with until a few months later is when we finalized those two flavors. Okay. So you got these great relationships. You're just taking care of people. You're having fun. And I think that's important to flag too, for people that want to be in business. It's not work. Like what I do for a living, which is coaching college students, I do for a hobby. I was at a holiday party last weekend. There's probably seven people I'm going to have to call to help their kids with finding careers through DISC or help them getting into college. It's what I like to do. So I do it in business. 
It's not really like I'm working. These are things that you you like to help people. You like to maintain relationships. You're into fitness. You're into marketing. It's not hard. You're making time. You like to see people's eyes sparkle up as they learn things. So you're just spreading good cheer, spreading awesomeness around the world. And because you're experienced, because you're an expert, another opportunity comes knocking. And it's Ben who needs some help, right? He doesn't understand marketing. You understand marketing. And so you go into business with Ben and you launch Seek Supply. And oh, by the way, if you want to find Hannah, you can go to SeekSupply.com. It's S-E-E-Q Supply.com. You can buy some great protein supplements there, but you could also reach out to Hannah if you want to go work with her or get some advice. SeekSupply.com. So Ben comes in. He's got this idea. You start helping him. And then you decide now, wait a second. I want to jump over and partner up and help Ben found this business and launch this business. What happened with Awake Social when you did that? So at this point, throughout the whole year, so we ended up launching Seek in October 2021. I launched Awake Social in October of 2020, technically. And so at this point, throughout October 2020 to October 2021, I'm working with Ben as just a soundboard for him, really. I knew he was working on it by himself. I know he has experience doing some marketing stuff. He graduated as an engineer um, and just has this fire and spirit in him. Um, and I have the same fire and spirit. And I love, like you said, I love helping people that have a passion. So throughout that, it started as like, okay, let's meet weekly on whatever ideas you have. Like I can just be a soundboard for you on whatever you have going on just to support what you got going on. Um, and then it turned into a couple days a week. And then it turned into almost every single day up until October 2021 is when we finally launched. And you'll have to remind me on the actual question that you ended up asking. But I just wanted to share that story. What what happened? What oh, happened with Awake, Awake after you launched? After I launched. So I continued to work with Awake up until my last client would have been at the end of January of this year of 2022. Um, so I basically let all my clients know at... A year ago, um, yeah, a year ago around this time, I was, what direction am I going in? Because we launched Seek and things took off a lot faster than I expected. I Financially, I, my biggest thing is I need to be financially secure. I live by myself in Minneapolis and rent is not cheap. I got two cats I got to care for. So financially, that was the biggest thing for me is where am I going to be heading if I shut down Awake when we don't even know the future of Seek? We're not paying ourselves yet. We're, we just launched. So I continued with most of my clients until this last January, but I let all of them know around December that, hey, this is my plan moving forward. I will refer you to the right people, get you set up in the best way possible. My biggest thing is I never want to leave someone high and dry. I want to help them out to the absolute end until I can. So um, that was my biggest thing with, with Awake was one, I definitely, the dream was to never start a marketing agency. The, the dream was to be an entrepreneur and to have complete control and freedom over my life. And I knew that. So it wasn't, it wasn't sad necessarily to let that go. It was a great learning experience that I can now apply to one business instead of seven businesses. Okay. So I just want to flag this relationship thing happens again. And so you have this consistent and constant building that 1% better every day. Um, but I think you need to add to your definition of excellence and take care of the people around you or something because you can build 1% better every day and just be a dick and crap all over everybody around you. And there's not many people that are successful that do that. I know a couple, but the real successful people 
are taking care of the people around them because you never know when it's going to come back. You never know when that one marketing customer is going to be a partner in your next business. You never know when that one employee is going to come back around and want to work again because you took care of him or her the last time. So you take care of yourself, you take care of your people, but it became evident that there was a new opportunity that more aligned with your vision. And where did you get your vision from? Where did you get your path? Way back from high school, soccer, basketball, golf, from developing the teamwork, the discipline, the work ethic, then going through and trying things and figure out what you don't like and what you don't want to do and starting to get a little idea of what you do want to do, which in your case was marketing. And then being prepared when opportunity knocks, you're a marketing expert. Ben is a product expert. And someone is a really good label expert, too. I don't know if that was you or him. But he realizes that you've got some pieces that he needs. You realize he's got some pieces you need. How do you realize this? Because you're just taking care of humankind and being nice and helping out someone because you're passionate about entrepreneurship. And the two of you create this partnership. And if you go to the website, the website's pretty cool. You can go to the about button on the website of uh, seeksupply.com and you'll see some pictures and Ben's sitting there by himself and he's in his parents' garage. And then all of a sudden Hannah's there too. And they're more exciting pictures, by the way. You got your cool lemon colored shoes. I like that. And all of a sudden the two of you are together and you got a lot of product and maybe the product will sell. Maybe the product won't sell, but you guys now you've taken a financial risk and you've fulfilled some orders and you've either filled up his parents' garage with 8,000 pounds of product or you filled up your new warehouse and I don't know whichever time it was. And I'm sure product was selling at some slow rate. And then you had a big breakthrough because you had some TikTok videos that either went viral or people found as uh, pretty popular. And then finally, Mark Cuban's kid likes your product and does a shout out for you. What was the process? to, I mean, that must've been in your realm. You decided to go with TikTok. How did you get the Mark Cuban shout out and the endorsement that I think caused you to sell out of everything you had really quickly, right? Well, not really. I'll tell you the story. So we launched October, 2021 and Ben was the, he is the face of the company. We run off of Ben's TikTok, Ben Zaber on TikTok. And he knew he wanted to focus on storytelling and telling the story of starting a business. Um, That's a viral piece of content, how I started a protein company. And so he was doing the storytelling content before actually launching the product or even having the 4,000 units that we started with. And we, I don't remember when or who came up with the idea of doing sampling videos, but we decided to do sampling videos on the street in Minneapolis, just downtown, had a little tray with these random shots of liquid and go up to people, record the reaction of them trying this protein. No one's seen this clear juice-like protein before. So everyone's reactions were really good. So the week before we launched our product in October, we had our first viral video. So that was, I think, over like... 250,000 views for us, which was a lot of views. I don't even think Ben was at 10,000 followers yet on TikTok. And that gave us momentum, momentum that never stopped since then. So we started doing sampling videos. We continued doing sampling videos. And then we thought of the idea to do uh, the journey to Shark Tank. And Shark Tank was really just that trigger word that people know about. People will watch and listen on Oh, Shark Tank. This guy wants to be on Shark Tank. Let's see what his plan is. So they'll watch the video from start to finish. And that piece of content, to be honest, we'd never thought we were going to go to Shark Tank. We didn't think we were actually going to apply to it. It was just to get a viral piece of content. So we started that series in November. 
And I believe he did eight parts to that series. But throughout that, sold us out by the end of November. So when Mark Cuban found out, let's just say that's like the last week of November, we get an order come through on our website. Ben FaceTimes me and he's like, we just got an order from Jake Cuban from Dallas, Texas. I Google Earth this house. It is totally Mark Cuban's house. So we were freaking out. We're like, okay, we have to do something like subtly on social media to get him to say something about this order that he made. And we tracked the shipment, waited for it to get delivered. It was delivered on a Tuesday. So we're like, okay, we're calling him out on this day, like saying something, hoping to for a comment on our video saying like, yep, tried it. And the day that Ben was writing the script for this video, we got a notification from Mark Cuban's account saying that he tagged us in a video on his page. And at this point, we just about passed away. We were so excited. (laughs) Um, It was insane. But to, to your point, we only had about 500 units maybe left in stock. And that definitely sold us out like this. We compared the website traffic that day when he posted his video to what we're seeing in sales now. And we probably would have had like at least a 200 grand day from that video. Wow. Wow. And did you guys ever go on Shark Tank? So we didn't go on Shark Tank. We we did. I will spoil the news. I'm, I think it's pretty public for us to share this. We went through the application process. Uh, which is a very rigorous process. That's that's super interesting to learn about, but went through this process for about three months, uh, got to the point where we got set up with executive producing team to tell us, hey, you're going to be flying out on these dates to film, but at any point we can cut you. And they did cut us like the next week as we were into like filming our pitch and stuff. Didn't tell us a reason as to why. It could have been many things. One, it's not proprietary. Two, there's a little bit of bias with Mark Cuban knowing about the product and posting about the product. So that could have definitely hurt our chances a bit. But at this point, we were five, six months into business and we would have just been eaten up. We would have been eaten up by the sharks for sure if we would have went in at that point. So it was a blessing in disguise. Okay. You weren't, you weren't ready for the sharks. Uh, we were so optimistic of what we already knew that we needed to get done before investors were going to come into the game. And we would have given up so much of our business to them that it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have made sense for us. Was it November, like a month and a half ago that this post happened or two months ago, or was it November a year and two months ago? November a year ago. So we sold out of our 4,000 units in about a month after launching. Okay. And then you decided, okay, this is what I'm going to do. A month later, you change your direction. Oh, yeah. of the week, so exactly. Okay. And if we go to your find your path, you're looking for what you like and don't like. You found out what you like. And as you're going down this path, you're reinforced in different ways. So you might have friends that say you're doing the right thing. You're definitely going to have friends say you're doing the wrong thing. You might have parents or family that say you're doing the right thing. You're definitely going to have some that say you're doing the wrong thing, but you're, you you got Mark Cuban endorsing it and just keeps building up to where you have the faith to kind of move on. Wow. And so what, what do you do in your daily life as the uh, co-founder of this business with a great partner who's super passionate and really good at what he does? What's your daily life look like as an entrepreneur in a, I guess it's a two-year-old business? One-year-old. We just turned one back in October. Okay. One-year-old business. Yeah. We're still only, we're still a little baby out here. Our day-to-day looks definitely different each day. Depends on the week, but for the most part, I'll say a week, weekly outlook is better for me. We run off the EOS model. I'm sure you're familiar with the book Traction. 
love that book. It's a great way to base your business off of no matter what business industry you're in and definitely allows your team to align on the same vision. But each week we start with a Monday L10. So that is me and Ben meeting for it's roughly today was like a three hour meeting today. We go over our scorecard, which is all the data from the week previous, figure out our to do's for campaigns that we have coming up. So we have a lot of stuff coming up for December campaigns. We're launching samples in two days. So my to do's right now are strictly around campaign building, newsletters, SMS, strategy, talking with our ad agency, developing the ads, developing the copy, giving those to certain departments. Uh, We're only a team of four. Um, and then we work with different um, outsourced agencies for a couple different things. But we are wearing a lot of different hats. My hats are mainly around marketing, customer experience, customer support, whereas Ben's hats right now are around finance, supply chain, and uh, content creation. So that's kind of how our roles are separated. But I run my tasks off of monday.com. I think it's really important to have some type of task management tool that you're using in your day-to-day, whether it's a list. I work better off of intuitive tools like monday.com or even a Trello board uh, if you're thinking really basic or ClickUp. But I think having a solid task management tool allows you to stay focused on whatever your daily to-dos are. And Google Calendar has been my crutch since CollegeWorks painting. <laughs> so are you are you able to share your revenue or don't really want to do that? And I never share my revenue, so you don't have to. We're pretty open about it this year. We are. Um, so our goal this year is to hit 2.5 million in revenue. And I think we're going to crush that. So I'm really, really stoked about that. We made a post when we uh, crossed 1 million back in July, which was huge for us because at that point we were running everything organic just through TikTok. We had $0 spent in marketing outside of some photo shoots, but no ads, um, nothing like that. So that was a really big milestone for us. So 2.5 to end the year is, is the goal. So in nine months between October and July, you guys hit $1 million, which is huge as it is. And then in the following six months, you hit another one and a half million. So you had 50% growth in the last half of the year. Yep. Wow. And then um, as far as product sourcing, did you guys, are you guys private labeling a product or do you, uh, did you manufacture from scratch using Ben's engineering experience? No, we are working with the manufacturer who produces a lot of the top players in the game here. So we definitely lean on them to create samples, but we're always thinking of new flavors. We're trying to plan out our 2023 flavor line right now and getting samples of everything that we're releasing this next year now. Um, So we love the product development aspect of it, but not the proportions and all of that stuff. Which is another great business lesson. You got to think about what you're going to focus on. And you all are focusing on um, your labeling is super cool. So your your packaging, your product design, focusing on your marketing, your focus on your customer service, which based on this meeting today, I'm assuming is absolutely awesome. And most of the companies out there, I think there's only four fabric fabric manufacturers in the world. So all these different companies that make clothes are using the same fabric. There's not that many companies that that manufacture the actual powder. A lot of different companies sell it in different ways. And a lot of them have crappy customer service and no repeat business. So you're making your niche there. All right. I got two more questions for you, then I'll let you go. When you look back at, you know, some of the things that have happened in your life that other people may be making fun of you for and trying to distract you from, they might call them sacrifices. What's the best sacrifice that you're that you made in your younger years that really looking back now is something that you would always do again? I think the biggest thing for me, especially, is that FOMO of when you're in college, when you're in your 20s, you have FOMO because like you said, your friends are going out, there's parties, there's 
things, events that you want to go to. And I think the biggest sacrifice for me was saying no and picking and choosing which ones are really important, which honestly allowed me to figure out and also experience those moments to the absolute fullest, knowing that, hey, I'm going to have to say no next weekend. So I'm going to live this moment completely. So saying no is the biggest sacrifice, not because I necessarily wanted to say no, but because I knew what I was doing in replace of those things in my life was going to put me five steps ahead. All right. So uh, the long-term thinking, saying no to the short-term pleasure makes it easier to have long-term pleasure. And then my last question, if you look back to that young girl in Sioux, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and you went to that that kid and said, hey, in not that many years, I mean, you're not, you're, you're in your really low twenties. You're going to be, you know, ha- you, you will have started two different companies. Um, you will have uh, taken over a business. Um, you will have changed industries this many times and you'd be running a business that's growing at this rate. Would you be surprised or is this exactly what you expected? I wouldn't say it's exactly what I expected, but I definitely always believed in myself and I loved to prove people wrong. So I always would put myself in positions to do so. And for me, I think the biggest thing that I'd tell my 20 year old self would be, I thought about this one a lot and it was hard because I want to go back to, it's okay to change your mind. I think I can be reminded of myself a lot throughout my 16 to 22, like I was always kind of afraid to change my mind. And I think that's one thing that every 20 year old should do more than they're doing right now is change your mind so many times and don't be afraid of what other people are going to think. Because I didn't get to this point until a couple of years ago where it's like, no, you can actually change your mind a lot of different times and it's okay. And yeah, people might question you, but you have to believe in yourself first and know that you're doing what you need to do to get to where you want to be based off of you changing your mind. So don't be afraid to change your mind. But then I'd also probably lean on the sense of people more and tell my younger self to talk to more people, um, ask for help, even when I don't think that I need it, because relationships matter more than any type of education you will receive, the community that you're involved in, the people that you're around, make more relationships. Especially when you don't burn them. And I have to say, the reason why Hannah's on the show is because I heard from one of the guys I work with that Hannah was making time to come interview uh, with a group of people that are starting to work with us again. And I heard the story and I thought I got to get Hannah on the podcast, but Hannah's on the podcast because she's already doing me a favor and now doing another favor coming on the podcast. And I really appreciate your relationship management skills and your exciting story. Thanks so much for coming on the show today, Hannah. Oh, thank you for having me. This was awesome. Well, um, we look forward to seeing what happens in the next couple of years with your business. Can't even I can't even imagine. <sighs> Me either. Only up from here. Go check us out. Yeah, go check them out. Again, it's seeksupply.com. Might as well get your supplies from someone that is as cool as Hannah. Thank you so much for being on the show. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. 
Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.